Hey, sober family, welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we're learning to love ourselves instead of booze. And then the next morning you feel anxious and you have that anxiety. And so what do you do later that day to kind of reduce the stimulants? You drink more of your depressant. And so you've really messed up your depressant stimulant cycle. And so when you remove alcohol, then your brain can reset. Today's guest is Deb Maisner, host of the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast, a registered nurse with 20 years of nursing experience and over two years of sobriety. Together, we're gonna talk about how alcohol affects your body and your mind with special emphasis on how getting intoxicated can change your life for the better. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military several years ago. And I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries and relapses until finally in the depths of despair, I discovered the not so secret solution to staying sober, which I believe is finding and contributing to a community. And I started this podcast as a way to keep myself accountable and to help others in early sobriety. With me as always in the studio here is my buddy, LK Hallfrey, who is looking good in the neighborhood. And Deb Powell and I are excited to hear more about your story and how you got to be alcohol-free. Yeah, thank you for having me. My background is I grew up in a small college town, Moscow, Idaho, went to U of I, University of Idaho, big party school. And I started drinking in high school, actually junior high. Um, and high school and college, and it was just the norm. Like it was just part of the culture. It was what you did. And then I moved down to Boise, Idaho, where I've been ever since and started my nursing career and continued to drink. I would take breaks. I would, I would do like races, um, running and take a month off and be like, I'm fine. Right. Cause I was kind of at that time, even in my early twenties, I was like, I think I'm drinking too much. And so then I would take a, a month off and be like, I'm fine. I can take a month off. So I'm, I must be fine. Uh, and then I, just kind of started getting worse, I would say, after I had kids. I have two daughters now. They are 13 and 15. Um, and so when I had them afterwards, I didn't go back to work as a nurse. I stayed home. My husband was working long hours. And I really got sucked into that whole mommy wine culture, which to me was like, oh my gosh, now I have permission to drink. Like it became okay. And yeah. um, our neighborhood used to host these whiny women's Wednesdays and just get together on Wednesdays and, and drink and, you know, some of the day drinking and uh, just the girls night out, the book club that was really like a wine club that maybe they read the book. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I just found myself drinking more and more and feeling just crappier and crappier and, and just really getting to a point, like a tipping point where I was like, okay, this is taking more than it's giving. Um, I really, I need to quit, you know? Well, actually I did not want to quit forever. 
I was looking for that moderation, that like magic pill for a long time. I was like, if only I could just be like a quote unquote normal drinker. Right. Um, So for a long time, I was just I would take breaks and then I would go back to drinking. I'd be like, I can manage this. And then I'd drink too much. And then, you know, that cycle would repeat over and over again. And I guess that's like the definition of insanity, right? Where you repeat the same thing. What is that definition of insanity? I can't remember. I think it's, it's if you continue to do the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Yes, that's exactly it. And so I found that I was just, I kept taking breaks and going back to it and struggling with it. Um, But what was really helpful for me was, finding Annie Grace and This Naked Mind and doing an alcohol experiment, which was a a 30-day break. But it wasn't just a 30-day break. It it also educated you on the effects of alcohol on your body, on your mind, and then also just was very paradigm shifting because it talked a lot about like the culture of drinking and and our beliefs around drinking. Like we think we're drinking to relax or we think we're doing it to be social. And so it really challenged those beliefs. And then it also connected me with other people who were quote unquote, like gray area drinkers who weren't necessarily like rock bottom, you know, high functioning, because by then I had gone back to work as a nurse. I, you know, was doing really well. Like my kids were fine. Like I would, everything was okay, um, but it wasn't great. And so there, there weren't any like DUIs or anything dramatic that had happened. Thank goodness. Uh, because they could have happened. They could happen to anybody. Um, But that really made me feel alone and isolated. I felt like AA wasn't for me and inpatient rehab wasn't for me. So there was like this middle space, this middle ground where I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know how to unravel it. So doing that kind of break where I was actually educating myself. I mean, even as a nurse, (laughs) like you would think I would know like, okay, alcohol is not good for you, but just like really digging into like how it affects your sleep, how it affects your heart health, how it affects your metabolism, how it affects um, depression, anxiety, all these things I was learning. They were new for me um, and really eye-opening. Um, the other thing that was like really paradigm shifting was in a lot of the other approaches to changing your relationship with alcohol, it's, it's your fault. There's something wrong with you. Whereas, you know, alcohol is a really addictive substance and it's a poison. And frankly, there's something wrong with alcohol itself. So it, it really shifted some of I don't want to say blame because now I feel like I've evolved a little bit in that I had to marry these two concepts that, yes, alcohol itself is a harmful substance, but I ultimately is my responsibility to take care of my choices. So once I could marry those two, then I could really overcome and move beyond wanting to be a quote unquote normal drinker because now I think. There's no such thing. 
finally I realized like I'm done. No, I'm really done and I'm divorcing. I'm going to be done with alcohol. And so January 1st, 2020 was my last drink and just been rocking it ever since. So what was it that led you to found um, Alcohol Tipping Point? Because you have this great uh, uh, free 10-day program and then you also have a small subscription to do a 30-day alcohol-a-day, which you call it. So what was it that, how did you come up with those concepts? I know you did, um, you said you did Annie Grace and did the alcohol experiment, um, but what was it that led you to start your own um, initiative in this alcohol-free process? Because you got sober right before COVID. So right before mommy wine culture kind of had some gasoline poured on it, uh, or I, I don't know, some ethanol, some some very high <laughs> octane alcohol poured on it, whatever the image, correct image is there. You got sobered a very fortuitous yeah. time. And so what was it that led you, was it, was it COVID or was it something else that led you to kind of start your own thing? Well, I... I was kind of going along the path of starting January 1st, 2020, like I'm done. This is my year. You know, I'm definitely going to get a year in. Um, so COVID happened. I'm in Idaho. I'm a nurse and, but I'm a wellness nurse. So I work in corporate health and wellness. So we run wellness uh, screenings and wellness programs for employers. Well, that's the first thing to get cut. Right. And so they furloughed our department. So I got cut to part-time. So then I had all this time. And in that time, I was like, <laughs> first I'm like, oh, I kind of want to do, um, I kind of, I knew that I wanted to like create something and help other people and use my nursing. Um, and also, I'm also a health coach. I've been a health coach the last like seven years five years. Um, so I was already doing that kind of work in healthcare. And so I knew like, okay, I think I can bring this to the alcohol-free, sober curious world. And then in July of 2021, I started this dry July group that morphed into the alcohol day. And I just kept doing it because people liked it so much. And I just want to make it cool to be an alcohol-free badass. And, you know, I call it an alcohol day because it's it's good, you know? Like, it's about taking a break. It's about doing something for your health, you know? It's it's about, you know, we're kind of remarketing being alcohol-free. It's not the old being a dry drunk and, oh, I'm an alcoholic and the labeling and, oh, it was terrible. You know, it's like... No, like I'm owning this. I am feeling good about this. I am moving on. It's my calling. Um, it's like I get teared up when I talk about it. I just feel like I I went through all this and I felt so alone. And now I'm out and I'm on the other side and I can help other people. Like I don't want to leave anybody behind. I I just I that's why I have a lot of free stuff. Like all of my stuff is free except for the 30-day alcohol a day. Um, but like you said, I I just I don't know. I I think it's just what the world needs right now and it's the right time. And I just love that there's this like sober curious movement and well and 
even I know our listeners on audio platforms won't see this, but um, Deb's wearing a shirt that says "Untoxicated since 2020," and so to me, the <laughs> beauty of that term is that it's it's just a little play on intoxic on intoxicated, which is a word that we're all familiar with. Which is funny that you mentioned alcohol is a poison, and I'm just now connecting toxic like as part of I'm in tox I'm impoisonated. But uh, for the untoxicated thing, it's like we're just taking these older concepts that that work for a lot of people, and that's cool. But they're taking some old labels and some old terms and kind yeah. of re kind of like reshaping them just a little bit for the 2020s. And it's like there, it seems like this sober curious. Uh, and sober movement as a whole is kind of gaining some momentum just with those little little tweaks that are being made through programs like Alcohol Tipping Point. Yeah, yeah. I think language really is important and labels are important. I mean, look, you can call yourself whatever you want, sure. right? And for some people, it's helpful to call yourself an alcoholic or an addict or whatever. For me, I didn't find that helpful. Um I'm okay with the word sober. A lot of people don't like the word sober, but it's like, you could call yourself whatever you want. You know, what? whatever is helpful and empowering for you. Yeah, with reference to terminology, uh, I remember a meeting, an appointment with my primary care provider and she was, this was at the VA and um, my new doctor who I didn't know, she said, I expressed some concerns about my drinking. She said, so, so you're addicted to alcohol is what you're telling me. And I said, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. And she goes, so you're an addict. And mm. she just said it very, her style was very blunt like that. And I, and I get it. Every provider has got their style. And I was like totally taken aback. Like I had just opened up to her about all the stresses that were going on in my life and how I was concerned about my alcohol consumption. And she used that as, the, as a label. And mm -hmm. she said, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just blunt. And she's like, I, I don't sugarcoat things. I just say them like they are. If you're addicted to a substance, then you're an addict. And I, like, I left straight from there and went down the hall to my, um, to my trauma psychologist. And I shared with him, it totally wrecked my, um, my appointment with him. Sorry for this long story, by the way, this oh, was this meant to be more concise. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just, I went down the hall to my trauma psychologist and I'm like, maybe, maybe I need, maybe I'm an addict. Maybe I'm an alcoholic. Maybe I'm all, and it brought, it brought in this flood of all these labels that maybe mm -hmm. I needed, but maybe I didn't maybe for where I was at. And I went ahead and had him. He's like, do you want me to put in a referral to you for, um, for alcohol recovery? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so. But by the time they had called me a couple of days later for the referral, I was like, I had had such a reaction to that, that I was like, no, I'm. Like I, I didn't want to do it, and it took another year, and it, for me, because she had kind of like come at me with, "You're an addict. Like you need to get help right now." And I like I wasn't ready for that yet. I, I did I need a break? Yeah, I needed a break, but I didn't need to be labeled and kind of shamed. She didn't mean to shame me for it, but it felt like a shaming. Yeah, I think that 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 stigma really keeps people from getting help. Because nobody wants to call. I mean, you don't grow up like, I want to be an alcoholic or an addict. Like, right. You don't want that label, that stigma. And so you'll do whatever you can to like run away from that. No, I'm okay. I'm normal. I'm not one of them. You know? So mm -hmm. I, I think that's where like the marketing could change. <laughs> it certainly could. And even in the sober, curious and, 
and sober movement, it's like finding the right term for you and where you're yep. at. And that's okay. If you want to go by, I'm living alcohol free or I'm sober curious or whatever the, the label or the term that you need, but maybe choose that one for yourself is maybe something I'm taking away from our conversation already instead of like have a feeling like you have to have a label given to you. Maybe you can take your own label for yourself. Yeah. I mean, and then, I mean, honestly, in the medical community now, it's not alcoholic, it's alcohol use disorder and it's on a spectrum from mild to moderate to severe. And so we're, we really get away from labeling people as what they have. You know, we, we don't use the term diabetic anymore. We'll, we'll say person with diabetes. We don't, I mean, there's very few conditions that you become that condition, you know? So if you have hypertension, if you have cancer, you're not like a cancer holic or anything like that. Like you, number one, are a person. My big thing is practice not drinking. You don't have to be perfect. Like just, you know, like making progress, focus on the direction, not perfection. And like, if someone goes from 20 drinks to three drinks, that that's something that should be celebrated and not shamed until it's down to zero. You don't have to reset to zero. For some people, it's helpful to count days, um, but you know, you don't have to. Yeah, and uh, a friend of mine also said uh, of the day count idea, out of a hundred days, you drank three days, you're, you still scored like a 97%. I mean, it's like we focus so much on those three days, right? Oh yeah. I think that I did a lot of that percentage work too. Um, I will say like, I think a lot of people have found that moderation just is hard. You know, there, there's a quote that like 99% is a bitch and a hundred percent is bliss. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt about moderation because it was such a bitch to just try to like, okay, what, when am I going to drink? How much am I going to drink? How many days am I going to drink? Okay. When I drink, what am I going to drink? You know, like it would the mind, you know, the amount of brain space it takes up to try to moderate is exhausting. And so for some people, it just becomes easier to take it off the table. So tell me more about this, just from a uh, just from a medical perspective, about alcohol's effects on the body and how taking that break, even that 10-day break, if someone doesn't want to do the full alcohol holiday for 30 days, you've got a 10-day program. Like, how can just taking 10 days off uh, change you physiologically and mentally? Oh, gosh. Well, alcohol affects every system of the body. I even a little amount, like I don't, it's, it's almost like, oh, I don't know where to start. Well, let's start like with your brain and just depression and anxiety. So alcohol is a depressant and a stimulant. So when you drink, it initially causes a depressive effect. That's why you feel relaxed. But then your body is always trying to maintain homeostasis. It wants to, it wants everything balanced basically with homeostasis. So when you're depressed, then it's going to up the stimulant effect. 
And so that's why sometimes you'll, when you drink, like you're really tired after work and you drink, but then all of a sudden you're amped up or uh. people drink all night long, like because their stimulants are getting released. And so what happens to a lot of people is then they wake up in the middle of the night at like three o'clock um, because again, that stimulant is increasing and then you feel anxious. Mm. And then the next morning you feel anxious and you have that anxiety. And so what do you do later that day to kind of reduce the stimulants? You drink more of your depressant. And so you've really messed up your depressant stimulant cycle. And so when you remove alcohol, then your brain can reset. Um, also in your brain, like it affects your dopamine levels, it affects serotonin, it affects your GABA, it affects all your neurotransmitters. So even just removing it for 30 days, some people can get their dopamine levels reset. Depends on how much you've drank, um, but even 10 days. You know, let's let's take sleep when you when you even have like one drink that can affect your sleep. It's kind of like uh, well, basically it affects your REM sleep. So REM is so important. It's like little minions in your brain that are going to work and they're fixing your brain. <laughs> and so even if you have one drink, you're affecting your REM sleep and that's why you, you don't feel as rested. So even 10 days off alcohol, removing that can just increase your REM sleep and increase your energy and you can feel better. Um, it affects heart health. Uh, it can increase your blood pressure. It affects your cholesterol. It affects your liver, obviously. Um, people do think about your liver health a lot. 30 days again can help just detoxify your liver and just clear that out and help your liver function better. Metabolism. So a lot of people complain about like weight gain and drinking. And that's because when you drink, a poison, your body recognizes it as a poison and it goes to work taking care of that poison and it stops all other function. So it puts everything else on hold. That's why your liver's like working overtime um, and you're not like metabolizing as you're supposed to because all you're doing is detoxifying. So it affects your skin, hydration, puffiness, digestion, you know, leads to cancer risk. There's no doubt that there is a link between cancer and alcohol use. You know, a lot of organizations like the World Health Organization have come out like no amount of alcohol is safe for you. Yeah. For a long time, it was like, oh, moderate, you know, maybe one glass or two a night like would be okay. Yeah. But now they're saying, no, don't, don't drink for health reasons. We've all been fooled that that is a reason to drink. Well, and I just kind of blurted out. No, that was that was perfect. <laughs> and you mentioned the study that I was gonna uh, that I was gonna mention, which is the one I, I don't remember if it, it might have been Bill and Melinda Gates also did a study that said like maybe for people over age forty, this tiny little but it was like two ounces or something. Like <laughs> maybe. Oh yeah, who's for, drinking for, that? Like right, like why nobody's oh well, I'm gonna take my. <laughs> I'm going to go have my two ounces of alcohol for my health now that I'm over 40. It, it's it's just crazy how much we've, we've all kind of gone hook, line, and sinker into this 
alcohol culture where for it's almost like we're in my opinion we're doing what what cigarettes were it's like for the longest time it's like oh you smoke cigarettes because cigarettes are actually good for you because yeah. we bought that yeah. hook line and sinker we finally realized but you and i were having a conversation um the other day about how about podcasting and um and i had said something about you know, my goal for this podcast to hopefully be something that will help offset so that I don't have to work outside the home and how I, I, you know, was kind of wrestling morally with the idea of monetizing a podcast. And you, uh, can you share with the, with the listeners oh. what your response to me was? Yeah, well, well, I mean, some, and I kind of struggle with charging for anything. Um, and some people because AA is free and it is free and you can do it definitely but rehab isn't free and it's like $15,000 so some people will say like in the sober curious movement or whatnot that you're taking advantage of those that are suffering um, by making money off of it and what I have to say to that is that the only people who are making money off of those who are suffering from an alcohol problem are is big alcohol are the big corporations those are the people that are making money i appreciate you sharing that with everyone else because like <laughs> just when you said that to me it was like oh yeah okay so like if i end up running ads on my <laughs> on my podcast or getting sponsorships like it's okay <laughs> like what we're trying to do here is um you know to ask people to question, you know, just question their relationship with a, a questionable substance because, yeah. you know, it it seems to have from the, the list of pros and cons you just gave, I, I didn't hear any pros. The pro seems to be like, I feel good for a little while and then I feel like crap for a long while and it has all these deleterious, you know, physiological effects and it costs a bunch of money and it makes me gain weight and it, you know, tends to wreck my relationships and 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 right so yeah. like what what are some of the reasons that you've heard from the people that you work with about changing their relationship with alcohol what it's been like for them in those first 10 or 30 days uh a lot of them they're changing because of their health i have a, a lot of uh, women in my group i i have i accept men or women but i have tend to have more women mm -hmm. and actually women who are over 40 uh, mostly women who are over 50. And so a lot of women are now like getting more concerned about their health and realizing how much alcohol affects their health. And speaking of women and health, like really affects your menopause symptoms, you know, drinking alcohol is like pouring gasoline on your menopause symptoms. So they're getting older and, and they're realizing like, hey, this isn't affecting me the way it used to and I'm not feeling good and I'd like to take better care of myself. Um, and then like some of the struggles are just always, you know, I actually just did a poll of, I just sent out a poll to like my email subscribers, just asking like, well, what's, what are you, what are your, the biggest challenges when it comes to drinking? And the top two, the top one, hands down, was using alcohol to cope with stress and anxiety. And then the other one was other people and relationships. So it's kind of that 
society impact and your relationships, especially if you're like married to someone or with someone who's a drinker, it's still part of your social life. That becomes really hard. And then, uh, yeah, the stress and anxiety, that's a huge challenge. And that's the reason a lot of people are drinking. That was definitely the reason that I was drinking so much was just stress and anxiety. And, and as someone who's ADHD also, you know, I just, it's like I couldn't get my brain to turn off and it was the only way it seemed like, um, other than a lot of vigorous physical exercise to get my brain to turn off. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, you know, I just call it the easy button, uh, but, well, do you feel, I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, do you feel like since you quit, like your ADHD symptoms have gotten better? I, I yeah, but I'm not sure if I can um, associate the two correctly because my psychiatrist and I have been working on getting the right dose for my, the med that he prescribed for me for ADHD. Um, and so I think it's the ADHD actually uh, has been worse, I think, since since I started drinking, but mm. it even got, I, I think it was bad all along, but I wasn't aware of how bad it was until I stopped drinking. And then I was like, oh my God, because my wife had been saying like, your ADHD severe. And I'm like, severe, gosh, I don't think, no, it's like, then once I wasn't drunk half the time or oh, once yeah. I wasn't thinking, yeah. uh, once I wasn't consumed with thinking about when am I going to drink again? And I started paying more attention to what I was doing in the moment. I'm like, oh my God, I'm forgetting stuff all over the place so yeah so i found that alcohol can mask other conditions too so once you remove it then you're like oh you know there there was a, a gal who had posted on facebook that she was you know one morning having all these symptoms um, elevated heart rate took her blood pressure it was like 200 over something you know really high she went in and got treated well she didn't realize you know that she had had underlying hypertension usually it gets better when you quit drinking but the the point of that story is she felt really shitty but she knew it wasn't because she was hung over she knew something was really going on and so had she been drinking still, she would have just dismissed it as a hangover. I found out that I had undiagnosed migraines <laughs> for years. Wow. I thought I just had wicked hangovers, right? I, I was just like, well, I just get these awful headaches and I deserve them, right? Oh. I caused them. And so I, I realized once I was sober for a long time, I'm like, I still am getting these debilitating headaches. What the hell? And so I realized like, oh, I actually have been getting migraines and I just have been dismissing them as hangovers. So that's kind of an interesting part of going alcohol free too. It's, it's so interesting. And I hadn't thought about that enough i'm glad you um reminded me to consider it it's not just about removing alcohol and and that's it it's about alcohol within the rest of our lives and the rest of our symptoms and the rest of our conditions that we might have it's one among it's something that tends to exacerbate other 
problems. It, it may alleviate these certain ones very temporarily, but overall it tends to exacerbate others. But then even when we remove it, now we're aware of more of those other things. It's something that I hadn't really thought about until just now. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Deb, tell me, the question that I ask uh, all of my guests on season two has been, if you had 30 seconds left in your life to share, you know, 30 seconds worth of, of, of wisdom or whatever you wanted to share with the world, what would your, what would your final 30 seconds consist of? No pressure on this one. Well, the first thing that came to mind is love. Like when you say you have 30, go tell your loved ones you love them. Yeah. Um, is it my 30 seconds or everybody else has 30 seconds? Sure. If you just had 30 seconds left to tell the world anything, um, and, and it could be that there, that's a fine answer in and of itself. It doesn't have to be anything other than that. Tell the people that you love, you love them. I, I guess I, I, what it, I do, I'm just like, I love you all. You are worth it. Like you can do this. You are human and humans aren't perfect and that's okay. And it's okay to change and it's okay to be okay with yourself and love yourself and accept yourself and... I accept you and thank you. It's perfect. It's a perfect answer. And, you know, the beauty of the sober community is that you can meet someone and have this sort of instant connection with them. And um, it's been like that for me with you, Deb, where I meet you and I'm like, this is my sober sister. There's Deb. She's my untoxicated <laughs> sober sister. And I hope that our listeners and viewers for this episode and, and all the episodes will take away from this that like you've got a logical family. I just posted a video on Instagram. I was having some text messages before this interview with uh, with a family member about something that's just been very stressful. And I so I posted this reel on Instagram that said, um, you are my logical family. Uh, one of my coaches on the app that I use called Reframe says you have your biological family and then there's your logical family. And here in the sober world with your brothers and sisters here, it is a family and we are the logical family that's here to love you and tell you that you are worth it. Like Deb just told you, even when you feel like you're not worth it, you are a hundred percent worth it and we love you. Um, Deb, I forgot to ask, where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about alcohol tipping point or if they just want to message you? Oh yeah, so I have a website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, alcohol tipping point. And I have lots of resources. You can message me. You can send me a direct email, Deb at alcohol tipping point. Um, yeah, so. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on, Alan. I loved having you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Until next time, Al and Deb and I send you our best sober vibes by saying goodbye alcohol and mwah. Hello, life. Much love to you all and peace. And we'll do the hearts along with Deb. Yes, peace. <laughs> <laughs> Al and I invite you to stick around for a quick message to you, our OG audience. If you stay to listen to this message, that means you're a core member of the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye audience. So Al and I want to make sure you're aware of the opportunity you have to solidify your OG status by becoming a subscriber to the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye premium service. For just $6 a month, you'll get these six great perks. Shout out on Instagram as a premium pod supporter, special access to a members-only Instagram chat group, backstage access to watch and listen in during show interviews, sneak preview access to full-length unedited episodes, 
ask us anything on members-only group Zoom calls and bonus members-only content during season breaks. To learn more, follow the link in the show notes or head straight over to supercast.com where you can search for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye in just a quick couple of clicks and you're in with the other OGs who have already been taking advantage of their perks. So whether you join or not, we just want to thank you for tuning into the show and we'll see you on the next episode.